All right, welcome back to the FFPC mini-sode series here on the Ship Chasing channel. It's a series we do every year where we are recapping all of our picks when we were uh, on the clock. Uh, sometimes we are recording when we are technically on the clock. We have a few picks to catch up on here at the 11-12 turn, and then we're about to be on the clock at 13. So we're going to have a jam-packed episode for you guys here running down the team. I'll give you a quick recap here on the team so far from the 11 hole. We had uh, certainly pissed at yellow to start. AJ Brown, CeeDee Lamb, Debo Samuel, DK Metcalf, Brandon Ayuk, Deontay Johnson. Finally took James Cook at 7-11. That's going to look nice with all the training camp buzz coming. Come back and grab Jordan Addison, get our first tight end in the ninth round in Greg Dolchich, then get Jalen Warren, and now we were on the clock, guys, in the 11th round. And I would say a lot of our preferred targets kind of got wiped out. We were looking at, you know, an Eli Mitchell, a Tank Bigsby, some of these guys here who would have filled out our zero RB room. What were you guys thinking about when we were on the clock at 11-11? Well, the big question was, do we go Tua um, or do we take – uh, another quarterback who's stacked, but that quarterback's still here. And you guys were on the Tua side of that um, and looks pretty good. Well, yeah, we had, I think, that question as well as a question of whether we might want to go with Kendra Miller, who was one of the running backs that we mm. did at the last turn, kind of earmark for this turn, and we, we liked. We thought that based on sort of the, the 12 holes drafting profile up to this point that Kendra Miller might not be their top priority. There was a, a couple um, a couple backs with uh, much higher ADPs and Jerick McKinnon and Jamal Williams that were still there. Miller was, I think, like the fifth back uh, by ADP or at least the fifth uh, best available player. And then both Tua and Dak were big fallers by ADP as well. Dak even more so than Tua, and we did have CeeDee Lamb. So you had that question. Tua is unstacked. And so, yeah, I mean, we talked through the quarterback element, whether we wanted to try to grab Miller or try to get him to pass through, and then also just the idea of, of potentially going running back, running back at this point and continuing to push quarterback. Yeah, and it seemed like we were kind of narrowing in, like the two configurations for this turn were either running back, running back, right? Like we had only taken two up to this point or running back quarterback. And I think we were kind of wrestling with the stacking element or do we just get the best possible quarterback with the thought being this is still a chance for us to kind of supercharge our starting lineup. Like one thing we got a little queasy about with the pissing yellow in this environment is basically punting three other positions. A lot of times in years past when we've done the true zero RB build, it's also been with an elite quarterback and an elite tight end. So you're basically punting. Um, the only thing you're really punting is running back. And so I do think us kind of honing in on a quarterback made a lot of sense here, especially if we thought there was a quarterback who is mispriced relative to the upside he gives you in Tua. Yeah, I mean, I think Tua, like, you know, he, he goes higher than this generally in best ball. Uh, you know, he's quite stackable. He's usually, like, in the eighth round. We got him in the end of the 11th. But I think he's quite a bit more valuable and managed. Like, he's either – you're kind of, like, happily throwing him in your lineup or, uh, you know, you're, you're maybe dropping him if things go wrong. But – you know, you can always pick up another quarterback off waivers. So it, it was really hard to argue with the value. My concern was like, we didn't have anyone to stack them with. And like, you know, we we're passing up Dak, who um, we do have Lamb. And so in the three week sprint, how much does that hurt us? But again, Dak still being here makes me feel like 
you know, the arguments of, hey, let's just get a really strong starting quarterback value. And we're going to be so unique. I mean, looking at the team, I was like, I mean, there's if we make the the sprint, like our team is going to have some levers to pull to get unique with with how deep we are at wide receiver. Uh, this is not going to be like a common structure or a common grouping of players. So that that eased my mind about it quite a bit. Yeah, the 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 thought on QB generally, if you look at our board, is I mean Trevor Lawrence went at six ten, <laughs> and we were on the board at eleven ten, and and those five full rounds from the end of the sixth to the end of the eleventh, two quarterbacks went: Anthony Richardson and Deshaun Watson. And so by the time we were there, and with this really zero RB build that pissed yellow early, we had hit a couple of running backs already. We had hit our tight end one and Greg Dulcich that we think has you know breakout potential to help our starting lineup. And you need to get some strength in your starting lineup when you start, you know, six straight wide receivers. And then we get this, you know, I thought pretty unique opportunity to get a quarterback that we thought was already mispriced. Then, you know, around behind his ADP as well, because the whole room was avoiding running backs for this five round stretch. Basically, I think you can make a case that Tua should actually be up in the Trevor Lawrence tier and grouping in terms of what, you know, last year he led the NFL in yards per attempt, TD rate, some of that stuff in manage, like Pat said, where you're looking at ceiling, but you can cut him if, you know, the concussions become an issue again. He's probably, for me, closer to Trevor Lawrence than where he went, at least. And we got him five full rounds later, a guy who in these mid-round quarterback ranges, I think, has the most upside to contend with, you know, maybe not with uh, Jalen Hurts and Josh Allen, but I think has upside to contend with like a Justin Herbert and some and Lawrence and those guys that go in the fifth, sixth round. So it was a unique opportunity in this draft where, quarterback had just been so ignored for so long that we got a really nice value on a guy that should give us a you know a fast start and then Pat, you made some great points about the stacking stuff and getting unique but we have you know pete made another great point in our little chat that we have a lot of stack options now coming back and so dak has made it back we also took both debo and i you can have talked about you know potentially purdy we, we have deontay johnson potentially Pickett. Uh, Jordan Addison. We also have uh, Kirk Cousins on the board still, and then Dulcich is our tight end. Yeah, we have Russell Wilson on the board. So, like, just a lot of potential stack options as well. That, yeah, that are that's a great point. That was kind of what gave me a little bit of peace on passing on on the stack. It's just like we are gonna basically every round from now to the end of the draft, we're gonna have an option to stack up another one of our players. I didn't even say DK Metcalf and Gino, Gino Smith is yeah. still out there. Yeah, wow. <laughs> I mean, every, so, yeah. that's a that's a true stack like we're not backdoor stacking anything if you got dk yeah yeah, yeah. so i i like it and the, you know it's it's kind of like what we did with two is a little bit of a less sexy version of what we've done in years past and our whole thing has always been in manage you take big cuts at quarterback because it's not that hard to find replacement level value like you know high-end qb2 production maybe back in qb1 on the waiver wire it happens every year the Derek cars of the world remain readily available on FFPC waiver wires, especially when we hit the bye weeks and people are forced to cut their second and third quarterback. So in Tua, yeah, maybe you have to do a week ahead. You know, maybe you have to be a little bit strategic, but you can get the production. You can figure it out. And so it it reminds me of what we kind of did with Lance, right? Where it's like, this could be a big swing. It could be a big miss, but guess what? If it's a big miss, you just cut him like we did. And you grab the next guy. We've done it with Kyler in the past. I think we grabbed Tua when we did that last year. Yeah. So I, I feel good uh, mm-hmm. about uh, this pick giving us access to a quarterback that I legitimately think, like Ben said, could have top seven upside, be right up there next to Lawrence, maybe just behind the Herbert field. So feels like a good pick. And then we basically knew for sure we were going to be doing uh, a running back with this next selection, only had James Cook and Jalen Warren. And this did feel like the time, you know, we missed out on Charbonnet. 
Uh, we missed out on Tank Bigsby. This seemed like the time to get kind of a rookie in here that we liked. And I think the thing that was a bummer is like, this is right when the Camara suspension news had come out. It's not going to be near as much as we thought, four plus games. And so all of a sudden, Kendra doesn't feel as sexy. And yet, I don't really think the thesis has changed that much. Agreed. Yeah, it hasn't changed that much. Um, and like, we could really use those three games. <laughs> like, if you just <laughs> three games, like, that's actually still pretty sweet. So, I mean, Roshan has someone, it's, it's someone who's like kind of jumped back up a little bit for me. Yeah. Um, he was nursing an injury. That's no big deal. He's kind of back at practice. He was getting talked up as a pass blocker again. So kind of the, the Roshan thesis is back on. Um, so looking at the board, it's like, yeah, he would have been interesting, but just, you know, it's like, we're going to start, you know, and I, I know we don't put too much, uh, emphasis on who we're starting week one, but, um, Kendra gives you some, some late season upside as a rookie and also like, should have you know at least like 35 40 percent of the snaps in those first few weeks unless uh he has a pretty poor rest of training camp but early reports were pretty good so we're gonna get yeah. a lot of information on him quick too like i like like you said we can potentially play him early we can also like if it goes really poor for kendra in the first three weeks we can you know we can churn that roster spot relatively quickly we took him over jamal williams who you know maybe was the better way to play the early season upside, but I, I like with Miller that you're talking about the late season upside that you just mentioned and getting an idea yeah. really early if that seems like a path that's going to hit. Like we're going to get a lot of information the first few weeks, even if it's not perfect. We'll be like, well, you know, if things go well, if he outproduces Williams, we're like, okay, he feels like the handcuff that we really want to bet on later in the season. We'll we'll stash him. But if things, you know, if Williams is definitely playing ahead of him, if Williams is performing, it's like, okay, well maybe we'll we'll cut him loose right away. And not that this is like it should be weighted too heavily, but the Saints did just lose Eno Benjamin for the year as well. Like their depth chart um, is very, very thin um, for those first few weeks, specifically without Kamara. So, like, it seems almost impossible that Kendra is not going to get any burn. And if he's not getting any burn week one, move on. it, it's, it's a pretty big red flag. Mm -hmm. I think um, he will. Yeah. So I do, I do love that idea too of like, hey, give us, give us a couple games here. We'll start you with James Cook out of the stretch, and and then the dream is he just flashes, and they can't keep him off the field. And even when Kamara comes back, it's like, all right, this is coming at the expense of Jamal Williams. Like we don't need those, you know, low value yeah. touches. We got to get Kendra the rock. You know, Jamal Williams is. It is funny because like he scored so many touchdowns that like he's now good, but like <laughs> fantasy managers wanted nothing to do with him as a clear number two last year, and kinda, I kind of got it. You know, we kind of like be like it was sort of eating your vegetables anytime you took him. And then he was not good last year in a lot of the advanced stuff. Like his mm -hmm. is actually like even a success rate, which was the thing like he was like reliable, was not good. It was just way, way better than DeAndre Swift. It was a disaster. Oh, so, and he got an absurd number of if you go look at like the, the number of touches inside the five and green so touches, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but like he blew away the rest of the yeah. NFL, right? Yeah. Like so I just think like Jamal Williams is, you know, I mentioned the, the week one thing to me, that's like the little bonus we get with Miller, but you also get this potential to hit a real home run with that pick. I mean, it's not the highest probability thing, but it, it exists. I really struggle to see how Jamal Williams in any universe is a home run this year outside of yes. this catastrophic depth chart chaos around him. So um, in, in yes. 
in right. Jamal Williams' profile, he, he, that is the actual better and best ball profile, right? Because you don't want to have to guess exactly. the weeks he falls into the end zone twice. But right. that's you're going to have some like stone cold like one pointers from Jamal Williams in your right this year. And then I mean, going, I don't think there's a worse team for him because they have Taysom Hill too. Like he really was super dependent on just getting a lot of carries inside the ten and inside the five. That was like his whole profile actually. And so now going to a team that's going to use like a freaking you know tight end slash quarterback slash whatever in the yeah, red that's zone. That's the other thing. Possibly. He's got Taysom Hill to contend with. Like, right. Yeah. It's yeah. He had 16 more carries inside the 10 green zone carries than any other running back last year. He hit 45. Joe Mixon was second with 29. I mean, he, he, like it's, it's all workload and he's probably not going to get it. No. Um, let's do a, a segue here as we set up our decision at the 13, 14 turn. Um, you know, one other thing just to kind of look back on is, uh, when we kind of took our tight end, how the board is broke. I feel really, really good about that Dolchich selection in the ninth. I look at the tight ends who come off the board. My guess is for all of us, like the kind of the names that jumped out, like Sam Laporta. I thought Gerald Everett looked like a value. Those guys don't even come back to when we pick out 11-11. We now find ourselves, and we can talk about <coughs> at tight end right now, a pretty flat tight end tier, the beginning of a new tier. And so I would feel pretty gross about our like punt purple strategy if we were in this range, because then you're realistically looking till 15 to take your first tight end. And so getting Greg Dolchich there in the ninth, I think we played that well. We do see the flip side of that though, which is some more of these zero RB targets come off the board. Pat mentioned Roshan. He's gone. Jerome Ford, we had ID'd as a guy. He goes off the board. Tajay Spears, another one of these rookies. Chase Brown. They all come off the board here. And so there are some picks we're going to talk through here, but there isn't like a run to the podium pick at this slot, at least for me. The kind of is for me. Yeah, I have one that I like too. All right, let's hear it. Because I think there's some good names. I'm just saying like, we didn't even have to have a discussion on who to go pick. Like we clearly have to have a discussion on who to right. go pick. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, the guy I'm really excited about here is Deontay Foreman. Uh, yeah. Because he, he sort of fits that same Kendra Miller mold, but like kind of better from the early season stuff. I mean, he's splitting reps with the ones um, and, you know, splitting with Khalil Herbert. There is some risk of ruin where, you know, Roshan takes over the backfield at the end of the year and, you know, Herbert's getting enough of the, the first string stuff that Foreman's just this like really useless kind of rotational early down guy, but he's been really good for the last several years. He's on a very run heavy bears offense. And there's a chance he, he, he's a starting running back for a run heavy team. Like, I don't know. It just seems like kind of an easy, really the sort of like a perfect, like who would we want right now as a running back? Like, a guy who could just be like a very reliable two-down starter for a run-heavy team seems like the perfect guy to plug in at this pick, and here we are. Yeah, when we passed Herbert at the 9-10, we were talking through that. I remember I asked on on that mini-sode, you know, is the play for Foreman at the 13-14 that much different than the Herbert play? Um, so, yeah, no, Pete, I agree with everything you were saying. I think obviously we have two picks here that another long wait. And you were talking about how yeah. that one tight end tier got wiped out between Dulcich and when we got back up and seven tight ends went between our, yeah. our, you know, our 10 2 and our 11, uh, 11. I do think, you know, at this turn, I want to, I want to think through a couple things. We have a lot of QB value right now, but I think that you could, you could see a lot of QB twos go off at once, right? This is a room that yeah. has really avoided quarterback, continue to avoid quarterback. There was only the two, until we took Tua, and now two more rounds later, there's only been one more. And there's only one drafter here who has taken two quarterbacks. The guy behind us has not taken a quarterback yet, and he does have Brandon Cook. So 
it does feel like if we if we don't take Dak at 13-11, I mean, I, I can't imagine he would pass Dak again. He, I was surprised he passed him when we went to a at the 11-12 because Dak was already behind ADP. Now Dak is way behind ADP, and that guy does not have a QB yet. Um, so I, I think this 14-15 range could wipe out Dak, Gino, a lot of those names. And so we, we do have a lot of stack options. So I, I'm kind of comfortable pushing quarterback, but we do, I think, want to think through that. There's a lot of picks between our picks. And then tight end. I completely agree. Very flat tier. A lot of names. I was messing around in the queue, and I think I put like eight names in there. This is the tier that goes to the end of, you know, underdog drafts. And there's a lot of names towards the end of underdog drafts at, at tight end that we like. And Dulcich gives us cover, as you pointed out, and I completely agree with. Like, I feel like our build's going to be strong regardless with Dulcich at the top. But you could see seven or eight tight ends go before we pick again as well. I'm, I'm, I'm kind of curious what you guys think the rest of the room's going to do between our 1402 and our 1511. I would say I have really little interest in a quarterback with one of these two picks, even with the huge DAC slide. I just don't think what, to me, the huge benefit of the stacking is for the th three week sprint. And I do envision a lot of scenarios where we're actually wanting to play the waiver for another quarterback. And you on it and you feel like you have golden handcuffs with this second quarterback that we stack because it's like, well, we want DAC for CD lamb you know, in the playoff sprint. And I do worry that that becomes like an unnecessary roster anchor in the way that that's a, that's a feature in best ball, but in manage, I think it could feel like, well, we can't stack that or cut that because he hasn't been performing that well. They're still kind of run heavy, but like we got to get that stack for the playoffs. And because there's still so many viable guys, and I'd argue we have even bigger bets on like the Niners offense with those two top five picks that like having guys like Purdy and Pickett in our back pocket who might even fit the mold of like a true breakout a little bit more than Dak, whose ranges of outcomes feel a little narrower to me. I, I just think this feels like running back selections for us. And that was so accurate. I feel like a little burned out because it's like mid-November now. Uh, yeah, no, that's exactly, yeah. I, I know that situation. Um, I can definitely see that happening. So I, I'm a little more open to the Dak slide just because he's, he does have a ceiling. Um, mm -hmm. And, and I should say, I definitely think this is a two quarterback team for us. It's just like these sure. guys just keep hanging around. Like Dak just fell 24 picks past where we were thinking about him. Think about the next upcoming right. slides. For I love those guys. points. And, and we, we don't want to feel like we're locked into carrying two QBs. I like the idea of, of our second QB being someone we want to carry, but also like somebody that we could cut if another QB comes available on waivers or whatever. Right. Like, I mean, there's a lot of things that can happen throughout the year, but Let's say, you know, we don't get Purdy, but then Purdy gets hurt in season, re-injures the elbow. Like, we want we want to be able to bid on Lance probably. You know, we have to yeah. have his receivers. Like, yeah, exactly. so there's a lot of a lot of things that I, I'm right with you. I don't think I want to go QB here at all. Uh, the running back thing, so other than Foreman, Devin Singletary is another one that is sort of lingering a little bit and is, like, not really that sexy. I, we're, we are one pick away from being on the clock, and the guy ahead of us was another zero RB build, didn't take a running back until the sixth where he took Damian Pierce. He's only taken three, and he's the one who did take Khalil Herbert when we passed. I'm a little concerned he might take Foreman and kind of think about, hey, I want to get multiple pass to the Chicago Bears backfield because I, I do have a zero RB build. If, if Foreman goes, where do you guys want to, want to go at running back? Because it does feel – I'm with Pat where like the part of the reason I was saying, uh, you know, run to the podium pick on Foreman is I, I feel like it's kind of a teardrop unless you guys are in on Devin Singletary. I'm kind of in on him. I, I do think, you know, the, I think the upside's limited, but I do think his veteran status and being brought in as a free agent is going to pretty clearly make him that the number two in the handcuff. And the Texans might be a little better than people think. 
but yeah, it's it's. He it strikes starts me to get a little weaker. bit as a a better in best ball pick because you know I don't think he's very good, and I think it's basically like the Texans the some games get away from him, and he comes in and just like catches enough balls to matter, and it does seem like he's going to be the clear number two to Pierce. They seem excited about Pierce, but it's it's like you know he's a he's like a not very talented handcuff on a team with a rookie quarterback who probably run heavy, but not with him. <laughs> so, I mean, he yeah. has contingent value, but I just, I'm like, you know, the guy who actually jumps out a little bit to me is Raheem Mostert. I was going to bring him up. Yeah. Jeff Wilson's off the board. And so you're getting that last crack at the Miami Dolphins backfield and another guy who could kind of help us get off to a fast start. And then like, if Cook doesn't sign, I mean, it strikes me that Mostert would be, I don't know, he wouldn't jump up a ton, but you could maybe you gone in the 12th or something. So, yeah, the thing about Mostert, too, is like it, it does feel like a little bit. I know they're not stylistically similar whatsoever, but a similar sty- type of play to Foreman, right? Where the appeal is he could just have a role out of the gate. Maybe we're overvaluing the rookies' early season production. We definitely need that early season production here. The reason Mostert becomes really interesting to me is because I do think when he hits or his fast start hit is even more exciting than Foreman's, you know, where a fast start for Foreman, it's like we get a 40 yard game where he has two touchdowns. We're like so stoked on that. But with Mostert, like if a change just slow to come along, long and most are just like that preferred back who's taking some of these 50 yard handoffs to the house um not only have we bet on this offense with Tua but I think the information you're going to get from Mostert is even more valuable than the information early you're going to get from Foreman I think that's a good good call my my counter would be to Pat's point you know if if Cook never does sign how high does Foreman or or Mostert rise it's probably not that much if Cook does sign much if he does sign, we're we're cutting our thirteenth round pick or fourteen. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That is a hundred percent. I mean, we might hang on to him, but we will cut him at some he's, point. Yeah, he's a last <laughs> round pick at that. Well, point. So yeah. the, the one thing I would say in that is, and again, you guys can correct me if you see it differently, but if they sign Cook, I would feel like Cook is more hurtful to Jeff Wilson's role as yes. kind of like the early down the goal line, where I kind of view Moster and A Chain kind of competing for that cohort of touches. For sure, but it just changes the path. Like everything you just described about Mostert's breakout being so exciting. I mean, then you're dealing yes. with a 30 plus year old back who has the the youngster behind him and has Dalvin Cook on the roster, right? It's just yeah, like right. a it's a it's a thinner thing. That's why I mean Foreman to me is is definitely the pick because you don't have to worry about them signing somebody. You know, they mm-hmm. it's like one of those things where like you want to hear a little bit of Roshan buzz so that they don't sign, you know, Fournette or Zeke or something. Um, yeah. And so yeah, he's I will just, say he's an easy one. In of the two, and not even just because Foreman's a tick ahead in ADP, um, you know, form uh Mostert's the one way more likely to come back because people are so spooked by that dolphin situation we've mm-hmm. seen in the underdog ADP market. So, like this drafter, if he's taking another running back, like I, I feel pretty strongly he's probably taking Zeke if anyone, but he probably <laughs> would go Foreman <laughs> over Mostert uh if he did make that decision. I did want to make one point on the room that we have here. I, I do. This does strike me as a, a lot of we can start four running back drafters uh, yes. in this in this room. Like the guy out of the one hole went Jefferson, then Henry, Gibbs, Etienne, Akers, and Montgomery, and then he comes back and gets Brian Robinson in the tenth round. He's taking a running back at the fourteen fifteen turn. I, I'm telling you. So yeah. I mean, I, I think if you look at the just in the queue, like Singletary, Zeke, Foreman, Mostert, Fournette. 
Hubbard, Gainwell, Edwards. I would expect all of those guys to be gone before we're in, back up. In, yeah, this does point, feel like a running back, running back term, I think, right? Is that what I, we're kind I of think leaning? so. It, it, I was just going to say to Pat's point, like, look at the five hole, right? This is, this is like an FFPC thing, right? You take your anchor running back in the second, Tony Pollard. You get, like, the sexy premium zero RB guy in the eighth. And then he just starts drafting as if it is a zero RB team. Charbonnet, Take Bigsby, Roshan Johnson, Tajay Spears. We, I think we all like all of those guys. But these guys do not st- stop drafting running backs regardless of how they've approached the position previously. You can start yeah, that's four. funny. That's, that's a lot of we can start fours, I'm telling you. Yeah, he that guy only had five five receivers. He took Hertz and Goddard as like premium options, but like you you probably like him to mix in a tight end two or a sixth receiver at some point. He's just like, no, I'm gonna keep taking running backs forever. Yeah. At tight um, end, I think we might be in better shape. Like I think Conklin goes and I think Ferguson probably goes. But then the next tight end is Trey McBride is a ADP of two oh three. So we're gonna be on the clock at pick one seventy nine. So it's it, the there's a chance that Ferguson has an ADP of 179.7 is there. And he's, yeah. he's only second down on the tight end. So it's not just that we're flat at tight end now. It's that, like, we fully are ripping off the start of a new tier if we take a tight end, I think. And actually, seven drafters behind us have two tight ends already. Two of those seven have three already. So seven mm-hmm. of the ten have already taken multiple tight ends in terms of what they think they have needs at and that type of thing. I was worried about maybe a tight end run here. You know, of the three that have not taken their tight end two, it's Kelsey, Andrews, and Goddard that are their tight end ones. So it's guys that might maybe don't even prioritize tight end two at this point because they took tight ends so high. I think I think you're right. I think we're going to actually not have that huge run of tight end, hopefully, and hopefully have I, you know the similar I mean, options at 15, 16. Let me float one more running back because I know we're a little tight on time. But Kenneth Gainwell is also, I think, pretty interesting. Is this a home run swing? This is a managed league. We're going to see what we have pretty quickly. Reports are that he's the two-minute drill guy. They really like his reliability. They drafted him for explosiveness. He's been really reliable. The uh, coach wore his shirt to a press conference. I mean, we took Debo because he's sending naked pics to his coach. Like, the coach is wearing Gainwell's shirt. He's returning the love. So. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I love Penny. He's definitely dealt with some serious injuries. Gainwell – or um, Swift is super inconsistent and unreliable. Like, I don't know. There's a chance this is a really strong season for Gainwell. And it's – that like we've talked about it last year too like that type of profile has kind of like died off like the true pass catching jd mckissick early naheem hind stuff where it's like i'm just gonna get you know seven to eight points and because they're like a talented player there's a bit chance for more i do think gainwell is like one of the few guys that fit that and there is some sneaky contingent upside to the points you just made about how fragile and unproven like swift and penny are across the full season so to me he it would could feel- be the swift like there's a chance he's right. swift and swift is gainwell like, and i'm probably I'm not saying underselling- it's most likely at all so and to me pat i'm glad you mentioned gainwell because the other two names you know like or even guys like chuba who i like a lot like i do worry about like the true late season contingent upside of i guess even both singletary and chuba of backs in bad offenses that even if they were thrust in the starting role do i think we'd getting be getting 10 plus points a game from them sure but do i think they could scorch the earth in the way gainwell could if the roles you know, broke the right way just by necessity of how those offenses operate. Yeah. I mean, you're getting a, the best offensive line of football is going to score a ton of points and is not afraid to pound the rock. So that's mm-hmm. pretty good. Yeah. 
I do still have um, some interest in Singletary, but it sounds like you guys are he, both pretty out on that entirely. He just, yeah, he just feels more best ball to me. I do take him in best ball. I, I don't think he's a bad pick, but I just, as I'm like trying to think through, like I'm trying to dream on these guys and Singletary is a little hard well, to the, dream. Sure. I think the thing about when the thing about Chuba is like, it's almost like those guys that do a bunch of little things, right? Or he offers a bunch of little things that we like to this. But if I think of like, banking early season production or having like really big contingent upside down the stretch. I think guys like Foreman, Mostert and Gainwell like hit those notes in a harder way, even though Hubbard is probably like above average across the board and the things we're looking for in a running back, if that makes sense. No, I think that actually makes a ton of sense. I, I guess my thought is, okay, we've already hit some of that with Warren and Kendra and even Cook to an extent. And so Singletary mm-hmm. is like a boring thing to layer in. It's part of the running backs we've already taken that has me some some interest in Singletary. But I, I think I'm with you guys. Let's just keep taking swings. It, I will say, though, I do not think – I think of all the guys we've mentioned, um, Moster, Singletary, Chuba, um, Gainwell, I don't think any of those guys are coming back. Those None guys of them are, are coming back. All no. getting wiped out by the time. Because I think yes. what we're going to see is the huge QB run in a bunch of these other running backs and people kind of like grabbing their more of their KJ Osborne's because they need wide receivers. Like that's what these next two rounds are going to be. And I think that's why if we do running back, running back here, <coughs> we're going to have a ton of QB and tight end options at 15, 16. I'm sold on running back, running back. I mean, I'm actually, I'm now like very excited about Gainwell, especially if we can pair him with like a foreman. That feels like a really strong turn here. I like so that. I'm I'm totally good on. So uh, I like the most or take two of just the cook thing scares me where like the ADP could just quit. Yeah. Right. So it seems like we sure. all like form in here and then we can kind of regroup on this yep. the the gain well moster kind of singletary triumvirate because we know at least one of those guys is going to be there. Yeah, we just got to hope Foreman doesn't go to the Herbert drafter at 10. If Foreman <laughs> goes, where, where are you guys at? Who's your number if I think I'm leaning Gainwell, I think you made a good I think case I'm leaning Gainwell too, yeah. <laughs> I think I would as well because, again, I just do not think this guy would take Mostert. He would be the other guy that – and I just think Mostert has a better chance of coming back. I think both yeah. will just based on ADP, but – Sure. A game well, Mostert would be a would be a fine turn. I mean, those are guys That's, we can cut, but also that have paths to like. Okay, they surprise us week one. This is exciting, you know. I yeah, and if you cut your fourteenth round pick, who cares? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think to me, it's basically like I want Gainwell on this team. You you guys sold me on that, and then it's like one of Foreman or Mostert. But I just think we take Foreman first because he's the guy least likely to make it back of all three For of sure. us. I agree. I like that. Yep. All right. Uh, you, I'm not looking right. to game well first. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I just think he's, you know, if we're just looking in the app, how people look at it, three, four, five, six, Gainwell seventh in the running back ADP. It yeah. just, he did take Jarek and Gainwell's kind of like the Jarek of the, of the Eagles right. in a way, but I, I don't know. I, I feel okay. I think, I think there's other running back targets. He's going to like more. He's an interesting drafter. We, we've not been able to profile him really. I do yeah. think he's going QB at this time with one of the picks. I think you got to see that go. I yes. Think 
Yeah. So we have we have decent amount of cover to still get one of the backs here. We appreciate you guys tuning in for this mini sode series. We'll uh, be touching back with you guys in the 15th and 16th round. You'll obviously get caught up on which running backs we took at 13, 14. And this team is really coming together. If you guys are listening to the audio version, you want to be able to see the board, check out these video versions. You become a YouTube member. Also get you access to the best ball after dark series. I do as well for the ship chasing YouTube members, a weekly best ball interview and drafting show for Ben Gretsch, for Pat Crane. I'm Pete Overzet. We'll see you guys next time.